off the coast and to the middle of deep waters, God is near. Amen? No matter where you are, God is there. What a blessing. What a blessing. Take your Bibles this morning and turn, if you will, to the Epistle of Romans. The Epistle of Romans this morning, Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12 today. I would encourage you this morning to look like a child of God. Look like a child of God. Now, some of my children unfortunately favor me. That's supposed to be a joke, all right? All right, you can laugh at that. You don't have to feel bad, okay? And uh, very fortunately, some of them look like my wife. And um, any good characteristics, they come from her, the others come from me. But there's one child in particular that I get confused even sometimes. And that is my eld- oldest girl and oldest child, Marissa. Sometimes she'll be in the kitchen and I'll walk in and I'll say, Karis, and she won't say nothing to me. And so I'll say, Karis, and I'll finally realize that's not Karis, that's Marissa. And, uh, and they have a lot of similarities in their looks, and uh, they look like each other. And that's what happens when we have children, right? Uh, when a husband and wife have children, they end up uh, looking a lot, either in the, uh, like their father or like their mother, or in some cases like other relatives in the family. Uh, one of our children uh, is very unusual. It's, it's, I don't understand how it all works, but Miles, he looks just like his cousin at his age. And uh, we got a loose one over here. It's all right. And, uh, and he's saying, who do I look like? And uh, call attention to me. Praise God. You know. And uh, what was it? Was it Ezra? He said, Sometimes the children and the expecting wives were not were not uh, were exempt from going to service and uh, and they didn't have to come. But one time, well, several times in the Word of God, Ezra said, "Bring them all. We want them all here." And so I like them all here at church. Amen. And from the little to the old, praise God. And uh, we're glad to have Albert and Vanity helping over there. I'm glad to have Alex with us helping us too with the teens and the youth. He's going to do a great job on vacation Bible school. But Romans chapter number 1, verses 1 and 2, these are familiar verses probably to many of us. I know there's no doubt about that. Um, And so let's read them together, Romans 1, Romans 12, 1 and 2. This will be a simple message this morning. There's nothing here that is probably new for many of you. But I want us to see uh, what we should look like and how we should resemble our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Do you realize that Jesus even said that? Jesus said that we should resemble and we should look like His family. It says in Mark 3.35, it says, For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. When you do the will of God, you're aligning yourself with Jesus. 
Physically, you might not look like a Jew or you might not look like Christ, but spiritually speaking and outwardly speaking and the way that you do things, you resemble Christ. That's why in the early church, the Bible says that the early Christians were called, anybody know? Christians. Why were they called Christians? You know what Christian means? It means little Christ. It means little Christ. It doesn't mean that they were little in stature. It just means that they resembled their, 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 their Savior, their Lord. And in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it tells us more about this will of God. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Let's read it together. I said we would, and let's, I don't want to go back on my word. Romans 12, 1 and 2, help me out. Are you ready? 1, 2, 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, you ready? And be not conformed to this word world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, the will of God. Do the will of God and you'll look like Jesus. It's that simple. Do the will of God and you'll look like Jesus. You'll look like His relative. Now, I want to point out this, first of all, is that Jesus did the will of God. Jesus did the will of God. You said, I thought He is God. Yes, He is. He is God robed in flesh. He is the God-man. He is 100% God and He's 100% man. He is, he, is, he is the Lord God Almighty. He is the one that is seen in Isaiah chapter number 6 where the Lord, L-O-R-D, comes down from heaven and His train fills the temple and the glory of the Lord fills that place. And the Lord is seen. And, and John chapter number 12 and verse number 41 tells us that that was our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We find out that the Word of God teaches us that we're waiting and we're looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. That is a direct reference to God Almighty and to Jesus Christ, the great God and Jesus Christ. Same person. Same person. So Christ is God, but Christ is, we understand this in our theology, that God is not just singular, but yet He's three persons in one. We call that the Holy Trinity. And that blessed union between Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is something which does not comprehend with our minds. I can't explain it to you. Just like I cannot explain to you how the grace of God and the mercy of God and the blood atonement for my sins came over me whenever I believed by faith that Jesus Christ died for me on the cross and rose again on the third day. I don't understand that transaction. I can't write it out for you in a physical formula. I cannot give it to you in a, in a ratio, a chemical ratio, but I can tell you this, I believe it. And God's Word teaches it. That we have a God that is both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And these three are one. 
But Jesus, when He came to this earth, He did something very unique. He submitted Himself unto the leadership and to the authority of His Father in order that He might present to us an example on how we are to live our lives, but also in order that He might complete the will of God, and that is by dying for our sins on Calvary's cross. But Jesus did the will of God. He performed it. He demonstrated that by living a life filled by the Spirit of God. That's demonstrated for us in His baptism at Matthew 3, 16 and 17. You say, why did Jesus get baptized? To show that He was under the will of the Father. That He would do the Father's will. But also to give us an example that after we're saved, that we should follow in like manner. Amen? That we too should be baptized before, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Not that we'd be sprinkled or be, have something poured over our heads, for that does not illustrate perfectly what it means to be uh, in Christ Jesus. But to be baptized is to have one that is both alive, or excuse me, dead in their sins, and then they go down to the water and they're dead in Christ, and they are raised again in newness of life like Romans 6 speaks of. It's a beautiful picture that only immersion can give. If you've never done that portion of the will of God and you're saved, then you need to do it. You say, I'm not saved, but I've been baptized, then my friend, you got it in the wrong order. It don't work like that. The Philippian, the, the, the eunuch said this, he said, What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said unto him, he said, thou, thou, he said, If thou would believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. So it was after he says, I believe, then Philip stopped the chariot and took him down into the water and baptized the young convert. My friend, are you saved? Have you been baptized? Jesus did. Jesus did the good will of God. Galatians 1.4 says, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might present us from this present, that he might deliver us from this present evil war, world, according to the will of God. This was God's will, that he would die for us. Jesus did that which was good and acceptable. It says this, And he sent him that was with me, for the Father hath not left me alone, Jesus said, for I always do the things that please him. Jesus did everything that pleased the Father. Jesus was perfect. He never did anything wrong. And Jesus also did that which was complete. For he says here, Jesus says, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, to finish his work. And do you realize that Jesus is still doing the will of God? Listen to Romans 8, 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Jesus is praying for those that are saved here. He's praying for you according to the will of God. Jesus proved the Scripture out. And look at him. Where is he at now? He's on the right hand of God, on high as ruler and king of kings. The question you've got to ask yourself, am I going to be like Jesus? The popular thing, I think it was about in the 70s, I think it was a very popular thing came about of wearing the WWJD bracelets. And maybe that's still something that kind of goes on today a little bit, maybe not as trendy as it once was. But anybody remember those? And what would Jesus do? I'll tell you what Jesus would do. 
he would please the Father. That's what his objective was. To live a life that was pleasing to God. Pleasing to God. Why'd you come to church this morning? I hope it was to please the Father. Not to please your pastor. Not to appease your conscience. Amen? Not just so you could check it off the list. But you want to please the Father. You want to do what's right. You want to find out in your life how you can be a better Christian for God. How to live for Him. How to serve Him. And how to be more equipped to fight the devil in this world that is around us. Because listen folks, we're in a fight. Every single day there are more and more enemies being, uh, uh, I believe, uh, trying, to believe trying to be uh, uh, coerced by the devil to get on his side. And we need to learn to stand up for Christ and be on His side. And the first way I might say to do this is, don't get ahead of God. Don't get ahead of God. How are you going to do the will of God? Take your Bibles over to James chapter number 4 and verse number 13. Now before I bring this point up, I was meditating on it in my office and the Lord kind of smote me with something. I was going to say at the beginning of this that sometimes Christians are really concerned about the what's of life. What does God want me to do? And the who's of life. Who does God want me to marry? And what does God want me to do? And why is God having me go in this direction? We're always concerned with the W's. What does God want me to what is? Where is He taking me? Where am I going next? But before I get to that, I, do, I am a little concerned that Maybe there's some people in here, and I want to warn you, I want to give you this admonition, is that if you're not even at that place, there might be somebody in here that's just living their life as a Christian, and they're not even asking God about the W's of life. They're not asking God, where do you want me to go, or what do you want me to do, or who do you want me to marry, or who do you want me to have a business partner with, God. They are just living a day-by-day life without a thought of what's happening with God and His will. Christian, I hope that's not you, but if it is you, then you need to repent of that and ask God to help you to say, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? God, I'm open to what you want for me in my life. Be seeking God. Asking God about the W's of life. You know what the condemnation on Sodom's generation and on Noah's generation was? The, the condemnation that Jesus gives about, the, about them was that they were eating and drinking and given in marriage. You say, what's wrong with those three things? That's the point. There's nothing wrong with eating and drinking and getting married. I hope not. <laughs> Amen. I'm married and I eat and drink every single day. Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether therefore you eat or drink, he says, do to the glory of God. Eating or drinking and getting married, there's nothing wrong with those things. But do you know how those civilizations were living? They were eating and drinking and giving in marriage, and they had no thought of God in mind. That's why when the judgment came, they had no clue it was coming. 
When the fire fell on Sodom and Gomorrah, they had no idea that it was coming. When the floods arose there in Noah's day, they had no idea what was coming upon them. Why? Because they weren't connected with God. You see, as Christians, we understand is that we live a life not to make money, not to increase riches, not to build a business, not just so I can have a family, not just so that I can have uh, 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 some, some kids and, and live a life or live an American dream and have two cars in the garage and a house on the hillside. That's not what I'm living for. Why? Because I'm connected to God and I realize that God's coming one day and that everything in this world is going to be burned up and it's all going to go away and that this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Listen, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And Christian, before I hit this next point, I'm asking you, as a believer, where is your heart? Because wherever your heart is, or excuse me, where is your treasure? For wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart is going to be. And that's what you're going to be focused on. And that's what you're going to live for. And that's what's going to determine your decisions. There's too many a Christian out there that has gone seeking after a job and the moment they got to the job, they realized that in that city, there's no good church, there's no good Christians, there's no good families, there's nobody to connect with my kids because they didn't even seek God one time and ask God, do you want me to go there? Is that what you want? There are Christians all out there that have married unsaved people and they're, in, and, they're in, and they're in relationships with people that are unsaved because they never went to God and said, God, what do you want for my life? What do you want me to do? What are you, are you seeking God in the W's? But if you're seeking God in the W's, may I also encourage you with this. James chapter number 4 and verse number 13 tells us, that there's a group of people that James is rebuking and saying that we will go into a city and buy and sell and get gain. But he says to them, he says, that's not good, brethren. That's not how you look at life. You don't look at life just what you can get out of life. You don't even know what's going to happen on the morrow. Verse 14, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that we ought to say, if the Lord will, amen, we shall do this or that. But now such rejoicing is boasted as evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Listen, you, need, you and I need to realize this, that God's will is more directional than it is locational. Let me say that again. Some of y'all didn't pick that up. God's will is more directional than it is locational. At one time, I used to think, you know, well, maybe God's not blessing this church and maybe that means I need to move to a different location. No, that's not right. That's wrong thinking. That's poor thinking. That doesn't mean that God doesn't ever move preachers. 
That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, is that if I'm looking at my circumstances and I'm saying, well, maybe this is what I need to move, I need to do something, maybe I just need to be the Christian that I need to be and then work in the area where I'm at and then let God move me as He will. God's will is more directional. Which way are you going with Jesus than it is locational? Paul said, if by any means now at length I might have prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. He said, I want to come see you, but I'm going to depend on the will of God. Listen, you, do you got plans this week? Anybody got plans this week? Nobody's got plans this week. Six of y'all do, all right? Man, uh, this is not a trick question. I, you're not underneath the gun here, all right? Let me ask this again, class. Does anybody have plans this week? My hand's up, all right? All right, you all got plans this week, okay? Anybody got it in their Apple calendar or their Google calendar? You got something in your plan. I got a doctor's appointment on Wednesday, all right? They're going to tell me that something about my shoulder. I don't know what it is. Hopefully I can go to that. But I need to be able to say, if the Lord will. Now, I'm going to do whatever I can to get this doctor's but It's a very important appointment that I want to go to. But if the Lord will... Amen? If the Lord will. Listen, if Karis goes into labor Wednesday night, I ain't going, Wednesday morning, listen, I ain't going to the doctor. Amen? Something else is taking precedent. Something else has come on the scene. If the Lord will. But sometimes what we do as Christians is we set something in the calendar and we get so focused on the calendar that two things, that if something interrupts the calendar, we get all mad and frustrated and upset. And you know what you're doing? You're disobeying God because you know better. Because that wasn't God's will to get you in that thing. And God was protecting you and trying to keep you from something. We had our van stolen. We were getting ready to go on a big old trip. Big old hiking trip with the men. We are going to have a good old time. The van got stolen that night. Somebody said to me, said, Preacher, maybe we should just go. I said, you know what? I just feel like God doesn't want us to go. Two weeks ago, I broke my shoulder, all right? And I thought, I'm not going to go on this fishing trip. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to go ahead and cancel the whole thing. Then I prayed about it, and God said, no, just go ahead and keep the thing going, and maybe you can go if you feel better. And I went. You know what, you know what that is, folks? That's the Spirit of God. And that's what you've got to listen to. Sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no, and sometimes God says wait. Sometimes God is moving on you to say, yeah, you need to do that. Sometimes a bad situation comes up and you say, no, i got to press through. And sometimes a bad situation comes up and you got to say, i got to stop. God's trying to tell us something here. You need to be in tune with the Spirit of God. But if you're out there getting frustrated over every single time an event gets canceled, then what's, guess what? You ain't in the will of God. Here's the second thing we do. Is we plan an event two months from now, and for two months... All our mind is thinking about is that event. And we miss two months of living. And we don't live day to, we don't live for the day. You don't have two months from now. I've always said this, you don't have tomorrow, you don't have yesterday. You only have today. That's all you got, my friend. And may I tell you this, may I warn you here this, 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 this morning, friend. If you're sitting underneath this preaching of the Word of God, 
And you're in this church right here. It's a church that loves you. This is a church that loves you and is going to tell you the truth. And we're going to tell you that you're a sinner. Why? We're going to tell you that you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Christ. Why? Because I'd be a bad doctor if you came into my office and you had, can- and you had cancer after the, after the scan and I looked at you and I said, you're okay. I'd be a bad doctor. And I'd be kicked out of the business once people found out what I was doing, the kind of scoundrel I was. You say you're telling them bad news. Yeah, I'm telling you bad. I'm tell, he's telling you bad news so that one day, hopefully, he can say cancer's in remission. And I'll tell you this right now, my friend, is I'm giving you bad news right now that your life is a vapor and that you could die any moment. That fellow, like Brother Jonathan was saying, we were saw, I've never seen a car wreck like that in all my entire life. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen a semi-truck completely obliterated and the only thing left was the engine on the road there was nothing else left that man woke up and I prayed for his family when we rolled when we rolled by because that man woke up that morning and he thought he was going to carry a load of pipe down to Houston and he was going to deliver it and he was going to run back to San Antonio that evening with another load of pipe and be okay but you know what he got a somebody got a phone call and said Jeremy ain't coming home tonight he died down by the way, and I don't know what his soul's condition was, but I'm telling you this right now, is that here in this building today, is that if, what is your soul condition? Where are you heading at? I'm not asking where you're going for lunch. I'm not asking where you're going for dinner. I'm not asking where you're going for supper. I'm saying, are you going to heaven? Are you going to hell? Have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because if you haven't, my friend, there is a point in a, there is a, point in a day, a day in which we're all going to die. And you can't change that date like you can change a dentist appointment, my friend. And when that day of death comes, you're going to have to face that. Are you going to meet God? And is He going to grant you the, the opportunity to go into His kingdom because you've accepted Christ? Oh, is he going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity? I know you not. Have you trusted him as Savior? I didn't ask, did you pray a prayer? I didn't ask, did you grow up in church? I didn't ask, have you been baptized? I didn't ask any of those things. Have you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? When did you do that? Have you trusted him? Your life's a vapor, my friend. Christian, your life's a vapor too. Christian, you don't got much time to serve God. You and me don't have much time. Ask anybody in this congregation over the age of 80. Ask them how fast it's gone. They'll tell you, like that. They'll tell you after the first kid, you know, things kind of speed up a little bit. Then you have grandkids. Things speed up a little bit more. And then all of a sudden you look around and you've got, you know, great grandkids and life has just gone by. What are you going to do in the meantime, believer? Are you going to look like Jesus? Say, I want to look like Jesus, Pastor. I want to look like Christ. Then give thanks to God. Amen? 
Did you realize that giving thanks to God is the will of God? I said to you that the will of God is more directional than it is locational. God is not so much concerned about where you're at in physically in Austin, Texas or in Kalamazoo, Michigan, but God is concerned about what you're doing in Kalamazoo, Michigan or in Austin, Texas. Are you giving thanks to God? That's a will of God. Are you giving thanks to God? This is the will of God, giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and our Lord, in the name of our Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Give your body to God. Give your life to God. That's why I read to you Romans 12, 1 and 2, is because that's what he's saying, that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our, what? Anybody know it? reasonable, logical service. That's the only logical thing to do. If Christ gave his life for me, amen, and I trusted in him, and I've believed upon him, and my soul's eternity is based upon the fact that Christ died for me, and I'm going to heaven by his, because of his shed blood, then what else more should I do for him but give my life to him, right? That's what I owe him. Nothing less. Does that atone for my sins? No. Does it gain any merit with God? No. Does it gain any favor and grace with God? No. But that's the right thing to do. That's the, that's the reasonable thing to do. You submit to God. You give Him your life, He says. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. For so is the will of God that with well-doing that you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. We ought to do well and we ought to obey the governments that be in order that we may show to others that we're doing the will of God. That we do it in the workplace, not with eye service as men pleasers, as the servants of the Lord, but doing the will of God from the heart. Listen, you don't work for the man. Amen? You don't work for the boss. You work for the Lord, my friend. That's who you're working for. You're not working for the boss. You're working for God. You're going to every work day, every single day, and you're giving it your best not to be as men pleasers or so people can say, oh, wow, she's a really good worker. Pat on the back. You know, that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it to be faithful to God because you want to be a good testimony so that when you give the gospel to somebody, somebody doesn't look at you and go, well, you're, all, you're always late to work. You never, can, you never can get anything right here. You never listen to the boss. Why should I listen to you? But if you've got a good testimony, then you can have a good witness. Believer, give your lives internally, not committing sexual sins, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That's the will of God. Will of God is, listen, you can, ha, you can be pure and holy just as much in, 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 in Los Angeles, California as you can in Austin, Texas or Greenville, South Carolina. It don't matter. That's what I'm saying. The will of God's directional. It's not locational. It's what you're doing on an everyday basis. The will of God. Abstain from fornication. Get rid of that pornography. That's fornication. 
That's the word, actually. It's the Greek word. It's pornea. Stay away from that. You don't need that in your life. You've got God. You've got Christ. You've got somebody called the Holy Ghost. Amen? You don't need no extramarital adulterous relationship. You left that stuff. That, that, when you got saved, that got rid of. Now you don't live like that no more. We stay away from that kind of stuff. We don't watch those movies anymore. And we don't, we don't, we don't go to those same places anymore. And, and, and you know what? We don't dress in the same way anymore because we know what? We don't want to act as an adulterous woman and we don't want to look at women that are dressed in an adulterous way. Because the Bible says that if a man looks upon a woman to lust, that he has already committed adultery in his heart. Stay away from that fornication. That has nothing to do with a Christian. He has no business, and she has no business being involved with that stuff. Because that's not the will of God. You want to look like a Christian? Then act like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Jesus never had no, You know what? What a bunch of hypocrites, what a bunch of, uh, uh, of heretics out there that claim that my Lord slept around with Mary Magdalene. You know, there's that preposterous thing that goes around out there. How, how, how much heres, her, heretical can you get to say such like, things like that? Give your life to God in trials and afflictions. I mean, I've got more here. In persecutions. Working hard at your job. These are all the will of God. We should no longer should live the rest of our time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but we should live to the will of God. For the world passeth away in the lusts thereof, but he that doeth the will of the God abideth forever. When you do the will of God, these things last forever. Listen, I don't care what iPhone you got. They're going to come up with another one. I don't care what the latest, greatest TV set you got. They're going to come up with a better one. I don't care what they come up with next. Listen, I've got stuff in my garage and in my shed that right, right now that needs to be thrown away. But when I got it, it was brand new and it was a top of the line. But I'll tell you what's amazing about these things that I've given to you this morning about doing the will of God is that these things were written to us over 2,000 years ago. And guess what? They're still as new and shiny as they ever were. And, they, 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 and, and some, of us, some of us probably do need to open up this, crack this good old black book right here, and maybe we do need to blow off some dust from th- some things and realize what is the will of God. And see it for what it is and live it for what it is. The world passes away in the lusts thereof, but if you do the will of God, you will abide forever. Jesus did the will of God. We need to remember to do the will of God. And as Christians, we need to stay in the will of God. Before I close, I'll say this. I know God's will. I've given to you, I've given you six ways to know God's will. But I'll tell you this, I also know God's number one will. 
number one will for God today, I believe, is this, is that nobody in this room would leave this room out of here and remain lost. The Lord is not slack. That means lazy. The Lord's not slack concerning His promises. That means that God's going to do what He says He's going to do. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. The reason you're here today and you're still unsaved is because God's been long-suffering to you. And He's been holding you. And He's been keeping you. And that little wreck that you were about to get in and you were going to die, God protected you. And that thing that you about fell into one time when you were eight years old and you almost got hurt, God was protecting you. And that time that you almost died in a hospital bed and God somehow miraculously delivered you, that was God's long suffering, my friend, so that you could be taken out and you could be brought to a service and you could clearly hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know how much clearer I can be. That God is not willing that any should perish. That means die eternally in hell. But that all should come to repentance. You would come to repentance and you come to repentance through Jesus Christ. Him's conviction upon your heart and He has granted it to you and you've realized your lost condition and you say, I don't want to go that way anymore. That way leads to hell and I don't want to go to hell. I want to repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And He says, Thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Have you believed upon Jesus that he died upon the cross and that he rose again on the third day? And this is the will of him that sent me, Jesus said, that everyone which seeth the Son, and you might not have seen him physically, but I've been trying to show him to you here in the Word of God. Everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. You'll have eternal life to everyone that believeth. Have you trusted Christ as Lord and Savior? Christian, have you, you've trusted Him, but do you look like Him? Do you act like Him? Are you doing the will of God? Father, we're thankful for the Word of God.